for listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden. Today's episode is all about meeting Craig Stratton, LMHC, our licensed mental health counselor on staff with me here at Reflections Counseling and Coaching. And he is a nine therapist that I think you're going to love hearing from as he talks about marriage and adoption and adoption of African-American boys. And as he especially talks about what it's like being a nine. And maybe for some of you who are interested in marriage health, not just nine stuff today, that you are going to hear some great tips about how you can grow and learn in your marriage through a couple of his absolute top tips. And I was just floored hearing them. I love hearing his marriage story. So we're going to jump right in to be able to just sit and listen with a nine. I hope you love this interview as much as I do because Craig has so much to give. So excited about that. And as much as coronavirus has brought us so many hard things, one of the blessings is Craig has been doing more online work and it's something that I've been doing for a while. So I'm so excited my staff is too. And Craig's not an Enneagram guru, but he knows Enneagram and he's gifted with it. So he's going to tell us a little bit about that today. And I'm going to pick his brain about what his wings are. But first I want to ask with his relationship as a nine, if he could tell us a little bit about his wife, Mary Kay, and how they met. So welcome, Craig. (laughs) Thank you. Mary Kay is one of the most easygoing, wonderful, and no offense to anyone else out there, she's the most beautiful woman in the world. Mm. Um, (laughs) I love it. And the fact that she actually agreed to marry me still boggles my mind. but I must have done something right. So Yes, you did. So we met, I went to Auburn University. To make a long story short, I had gone up there to get my master's in counseling and ended up with a second bachelor's in psychology because I got bad information from mm-hmm. a guidance counselor. But mm. ultimately, God had different ideas and my real reason for being up there was to meet Mary Kay. <laughs> and so we actually met at uh, a church there in the college group and We were supposed to go out as a group to see a movie one night. And for whatever reason, and I don't think any of this was planned. Actually, I know it wasn't planned because none of the people knew that that we had even talked about it. But all these people that were supposed to go to this movie with us, one by one, all of a sudden dropped out. And so there was only me and MK left. No way. And yeah, so she tentatively asked me if I wanted to go. And as I kept watching these people drop out, I kept hoping that the rest of them would. Uh, And then they did. And so she asked me if I still want to go. I said, of course I do. Uh, So we call that our first unofficial date. Oh my gosh. Uh, So we went to the movie, we went and got a coffee afterwards. And then we were sitting outside of her triplex. Now this is where the story gets a little convoluted. If you ask me, Mm -hmm. Uh, because as a nine, I knew what I wanted but I had a hard time verbalizing what I wanted, which was to ask her out on an official date. And so she'll tell some story about how I was exaggerating and hitting the steering wheel, trying to get these words out, which, you know, <laughs> when she tells the story, it's in, in my viewpoint, it's exaggerated. And the actuality is probably a lot closer to the truth than what I want to admit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even though I was acting like a complete fool, she still said yes. Uh, and even so we that was a Tuesday night because we don't like to do anything conventionally. We had our first kiss Wednesday night and then we went on our first official date on Friday. Oh my goodness. That is seriously adorable. I love that I never got to hear that story. Yeah. So it's uh it's been a wild ride, but I wouldn't change it for the world. 
Oh, well, I'm so glad. And now we can jump into the wing questions, even though now I'm just in romance mode. I want to hear all about everything, but it's like, no, this is not going to work for this podcast. We need to get people information about you with your counseling, who you are, what you think your wing is, uh, what you think you can share so much. I've seen you do it. So thank you for that. Craig has been with us for over five years now, and he is a phenomenal licensed mental health counselor. Craig, I was wondering if you knew whether you were an Enneagram nine wing one or nine wing eight, or if you feel pretty balanced there. I would say probably nine wing eight, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not a hundred percent positive about that. And what makes you think leaning towards the eight? Are you a little more direct, a little more vocal with people? If I feel the need to be, then I can be. Mm. Um, I, I don't typically do that a lot, uh, but if there's something that brings that out in me, then and then I generally tend to go there. Oh, that's so helpful. I bet with your clients too, when you do need to be direct, you are. And I've heard you do that even when we've had our consults. So I'm so grateful your clients have that access to your eight side. And you're married to somebody that you think is a nine also, right? That is correct. That's really neat. So Mary Kay, your beautiful wife, is probably an Enneagram. Do you think she's probably an eight wing or a one wing? Yeah, that's hard. (laughs) It's hard. Is she probably more detailed, organized? Is she, I know she must be with your beautiful big family, which we'll talk about in a minute, but I was wondering about that because I'm like, how does she manage this whole crew or is it her eight energy? Because guys, while he's thinking about that, I have to tell this funny story that my kids and I went to see them in the hospital after they had their baby. And was this Jackson that you were having or I think it was Charlotte, right? I think it was Charlotte. Yes. So they've had a few babies. So we were there visiting and Mary Kay was, wasn't she debating on whether she could get up and pick up the kids from preschool, the older boys? Yes. And I was cracking up because I had told my girls all this drama about how hard it was to have babies and how much of a recovery, I'm a big baby anyway, that I had. And she's like, hey, Craig, do you think I should go pick up the kids from preschool? And I'm like, you just had a baby. It was so funny. So do you think she's more one wing or eight wing after thinking about that? Uh, Probably an eight. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's funny because we just got done talking about our eights with all their energy. And you have to because how many boys do you have? Three boys. And how many girls? Two girls. Aw, and they're all, what are their ages? Can you tell us? They are 10, 9, 6, 3, and almost 11 months. Oh my goodness. So you guys are so busy. And these two nines are just the cutest things, you guys. On Facebook, their banter is so witty and fun as they tease each other, as they joke, as they laugh. And I know that marriage is tough and you know that, Craig, but it's a beautiful marriage. And I love to see that double nine dynamic for you guys. So that's really cute. And is there anything else that you want to tell us about your family? Because we're just getting to know you better. Probably that uh, my older two boys were adopted. and they also happen to be African-American. Mm-hmm. And we decided to adopt first before having um, our other three children because we wanted our adopted children to acclimate to us before we started adding siblings to them. Mm, that is so beautiful. And it just really speaks to your nine hearts to think of others first. And it was such a shocking idea for me to hear that you guys did that. But I'm glad you chose to share that because... It's just a really great reminder of you guys exuding that belief that we all need to consider others first. 
So that just speaks to all of our hearts. I know so much. And I know you care so deeply about your clients as well. And anyone who's lucky enough to get you for a client or a therapist is extremely blessed. Even our pastor at our mega church once told me if I was to pick a therapist, it would be Craig because he's got such a great listener's heart for others. So I'm so happy you guys adopted your boys and it's really cute to see them around town. Our kids are often doing similar sports in, a, in this one church. And so I love seeing your wife and the kids and she teaches a lot of kids too, right? Yeah. She's a pre-kindergarten special needs teacher. Mm, wow. So you guys are, as everybody says in culture, having your hands full. And what do you think when people say that? Cause that used to always bother me when people would be like, you sure have your hands full. I don't, I mean, I don't think too much about it. I, you know, that's they're probably right. I mean, you know, <laughs> we do have our hands full, but we figure a way to manage it all. So it's all good. Oh, that's so good. And do you have anything else that you want to share about your family in regards to just that whole process of adoption or birthing kids or anything else about your big family that you wanted to share? I mean, adoption is definitely worth it. Uh, if you have the patience to deal with the process of going through it. Um, and it was one of the best decisions that we've ever made in our lives was to adopt our boys. Mm. Uh, and then to give them three siblings as well was an amazing uh, process that we got to go through. And it was, it was just, a, it's been a lot of fun, been a lot of challenges, but uh, mm. you know, we've, uh, we've been able to tackle those head on and continue to do so today. So it's all been worth it. Mm, I love hearing that. And I know people are encouraged. In fact, I'm going to be doing an entire episode with somebody you know very well, Anne-Marie Jones, who heads up Bridge of Life Adoption Organization. It's a worldwide organization that we also get to have here locally. And Craig is a part of just, you've been on different levels helping and volunteering at their services, as well as being able to get their support because they do wonderful meetings for adoptive parents. And so I'm just so grateful that you guys took that brave step to adopt and that you can share, wow, this is not something that you will regret if you have the hard work mentality and the love and the patience. Is that the biggest feature you would say is the love and the patience? Absolutely. Hey, you know, it's funny you should mention Bridge of Life. That was actually how we met our boys was through a informational meeting and we got to talk to one of the speakers there who just happened to know about our boys and, and thought that it might be a good fit. Everything worked out. So it was awesome. Wow. Really? I did not know that backstory. Yeah. Yeah. We went to a meeting one night and after the meeting, I think we had a question about our dogs. <laughs> um, and uh, the, uh, the woman asked us if, because we told her about the dog, she said she didn't think it would be a problem. And she asked us, you know, she's like, well, I've got these two boys that I know that they're looking for someone and I think you guys would be a good fit, but how do you feel about adopting African-American kids and said that, you know, we really didn't care about that. In fact, it might even be a, uh, an added bonus for us just because it would, you know, expand our horizons and give opportunity to grow our family. And, and it was an amazing fit. So. I am so glad to hear that. It's really, really important that you guys just followed God's heart for you. And it's amazing that you had the heart to say, wow, of course we welcome the opportunity to get to know another culture and to protect them. And I know you've been very kind, but strong as you've been trying to raise them to be children that understand both their culture and your culture. And do you think that's been important? Oh, that's very important. They definitely need to know their cultural background is, especially given the unfortunate issues that we have going on in our society right now. You know, it's trying to find the right ways to 
explain those issues and um, teach them about the different things that they have to may have to face later in life and uh, despite how unfair it may seem and not even may seem how unfair it is uh, to to have to deal with those things and how to handle those things and um, you know it's just been a, a very big learning curve but one that we wouldn't change for anything in the world mm, that's beautiful yeah that's well said well, I wanted to move into talking a little bit about marriage because just like with me, that's been one of Craig's absolute specialties. He has a huge heart for couples and his couples that he's worked with love him so much. I know I was thinking about how one of his couples was inviting to him to a wedding years back and I was like, oh my gosh, none of my couples have ever asked me to their wedding. And it was just so fun for me to be like hearing from them and others how wonderful of a therapist Craig is. And Craig is different from me in that I'm a coach and he's a therapist. So for those of you who don't really know much about the difference, we both help people to move forward with their goals. But Craig has more insight into past traumas that people have experienced and he really takes time with them as a nine especially. He gives them a place to listen, a lot of patience, a lot of care, and a lot of devotion, as well as mental health counseling skills that are very particular so that if he thinks somebody needs medication for something, he knows to refer them to the psychiatrist. And often locally, he knows which psychiatrist to refer them to. And he also understands that sometimes people do have a diagnosis that needs to give them a roadmap, such as anxiety disorder, not otherwise specified, bipolar disorder. And we're not in the business of labeling people at our business, but we do realize that sometimes you need that roadmap. So Craig is a great person on our team because he does something very different from me. And I just wanted to find out, Craig, just a little bit about your passion for couples and what are the biggest issues you're seeing in marriage these days? I've always passion for helping couples for whatever reason that came about. I don't really understand, but I mean, it, it even went back to high school when people that I wasn't even necessarily close to would come up and just start talking to me about their problems and I would listen and give them thoughts about what I thought could help and which I guess even you know thinking about it speaks to my nineness even back then that I you know I had no clue the Enneagram existed way back then but you know even now I, I just I see so many relationships that can be altered and, and their trajectory changed just by working through things that maybe they didn't know how to or they didn't have good examples of or we've, we've become such a instant gratification society that it's just easier to throw in the towel and find the next thing than to actually put the work in to, to fixing what could be the best thing in your life as it is so but when you ask about the biggest issue i mean without a doubt the biggest issue that i see is communication it, it people spend so much time getting lost in translation with each other that they can't seem to understand what the other person is, is trying to communicate. It's, it's easy to get lost in that, but it's also easy to, once you learn how to, to navigate through that, you can really strengthen your marriage and avoid a lot of the pitfalls that you had been having. I'm not saying it's an end-all, be-all or anything. You're still going to have disagreements and issues. You know, they, they won't grow into a bigger catastrophe than what you're used to dealing with. That makes sense. And that makes really good sense that you've had your eye on this for so many years because you really had your leg in the field, even from your high school years, it sounds like, as a nine? Yes, ma'am. Wow, that's awesome. And I love how you can help people to see those deeper things. You're there to listen, but it sounds like you also try to really help people to problem solve. Is that right? That is definitely true. And, and I'll fall back on different things that I've learned in school or different books that I've read. You know, one of the things that I find to be really helpful a lot of the time is the five love language mm. and really trying to discover what each person's love language is, because if they have different love languages, that can really cause misunderstandings if they don't understand how their significant other wants 
or feels appreciated or loved. But you know, one of the one of the other really big things that I see, and this is not just with couples, this is just as a society in general, mm-hmm. is that we don't seem to understand the distinction between hearing and listening. Mm. And so often, instead of listening to each other as we speak, we hear the words that are coming out of our out of their mouth, and we are already trying to formulate our response to what we think we're hearing. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes miss the message because we haven't listened to fully what they're saying. And if people will just slow down and actually stop trying to formulate a response before they really fully listen to what the other person is saying, I think a lot of times that we can avoid misunderstandings or disagreements just by focusing on listening rather than just hearing. Hmm. That's a really good point. And anxiety gets in the way of that sometimes too. So it's making me understand that probably people really need to work on their anxiety sometimes first in order to just even be able to listen fully. Have you seen that? Oh, that's definitely the case uh, that people, for people that do deal with anxiety, that you know, they really need to work on finding ways to cope with that so that they can fully appreciate what's going on around them. Mm-hmm. And then when they do, they're able to open up and hear more about love languages and what their spouse is actually saying versus catastrophizing or sometimes it sounds like even missing what their spouse is saying. So I love that you remind us of that. And that's such a nine thing. And that's, it's so funny that you said that because that's one of the questions I had for you also was, what is it like being a nine in the world? Do you experience a lot of those things where you're thinking you didn't hear me or I needed to be louder or I'm angry about that? Oh, definitely. I, as a nine, I know that a lot of times nines lose their connection with their anger. They go to sleep to it, as some of the experts say. And really finding the, forcing yourself to tap into that uh, can bring up things that you didn't really realize that you thought about the things. I mean, again, we go back to the societal issues that we're facing right now. And, you know, looking at my two older boys and and realizing that they're getting older and that I'm really going to have to start dealing with some of these issues Mm -hmm. has forced me to take a look at these issues and and tap into that anger that I has been bubbling below the surface because I've not really paid attention to it because it's not exactly comfortable to pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's just really finding ways to, to make yourself aware of that so that you can deal with it. Um, and find constructive ways to deal with it that will allow you to, I guess, interact with your environment around you better. Mm-hmm. So really having to rise up and feel the anger and engage with it and say, this is important and I have to wake up. And there's a lot of things, like you said, right now in culture that you're having to stand in an uncomfortable position with and increasingly as your boys get older. And I'm sure that's uncomfortable. And you used a really important nine word, comfort. And that is so healthy that you used it to know, wow, I can't be in comfort all the time, even though it's been probably something that you've learned for self-soothing over the years, because you've had to kind of say, look, I know that I have to write my own ticket. A lot of people won't be caring for me in the ways that I need to. So I have to protect myself and comfort myself. And I love that nines do that so well, because you guys are withdrawing stance and you don't leech onto other people for that. And that's very respectable. But then again, sometimes you're missing what's important. So that's really good that you know that. Definitely. I mean, I, even within the past few days, I had an internal struggle within myself as to whether or not I truly was a nine or five of all things. Mm. Um, and, you know, because I, I had to start really investigating, 
of five for a client that I was working with and trying to understand his motivations better. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I started doing that, because I am a nine, uh, I could relate to so much of what (laughs) I was reading and and understanding. But then I started really investigating nines and and I read uh, Beatrice Chestnut's Cleet Enneagram. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I was reading her chapter on nines and and got to the page about self-preservation nines. And and, I mean, that just identified me to a T. So much so that even before I got on this call with you, I, I was doing my self-comforting and, and just sitting there mindlessly playing video games until uh, our appointment this morning. So Wow, that's fascinating. And you know what? I just read about in that same book, I just read that section yesterday. So I'm fresh on it. So it really kind of goes back to what we just said, like you said, like you're going, okay, I have to take care of me because I haven't always felt heard or seen or loved. And that's important. And you know that you were loved as a child, just as my daughter knows she is, but there's a different level. There's a different level that nines ache for. And you had to kind of come to that to see, wait a minute, there is this defense mechanism because I, I've, were you an easy child? Cause my nine is an easy child. And a lot of nines don't like to hear that, but I'm trying to say it from the perspective of not defending myself, but just giving her a compliment. Like she's a very, got a great personality. Did you hear that growing up too? Mm-hmm. Let me put that out there. Okay. Um, I, and I remember that my mom looked at me the wrong way that I would melt. And so not to say I didn't have my moments, I most certainly had my moments, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think if you were to ask my, my mom and my dad about whether or not I was uh, easy to deal with, the answer would be an, a resounding yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, how fascinating. So you really did have that experience and may have been part of shaping you into being a nine. Although I tend to believe that when Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, that certain people do have a gift from birth. So I don't want to say it's just nature or just nurture, and I know none of us do, but it is pretty common to hear that a nine was somebody who was maybe easier than the other child in certain ways, and then, or a middle child, as in the case of my daughter, or as somebody who was just an oldest who had a lot of responsibility. Yesterday, I met a youngest who had a lot of responsibility. It just depends on the timing of your birth order family. And so it's neat to hear about you evolving into that because like I said before, it's such a beautiful personality and you guys have traits of all the types. So I'm pretty sure that's why you also identified with the five, but also nine and five are often confused for one another. So a lot of people wonder whether they're a nine or a five, and I'm glad you got down to some of the core motivations. There's a part of the nine that is self-soothing for comfort and because they don't feel they'll be heard or loved the way they need to be. And that's why they're going into their so-called turtle shell. But for the five, they're withdrawing because they're so anxious about whether they'll have enough energy and they believe their world will take more than it will give. And so there's this need to be stingy and miserly. Sometimes that can come up for a five because they're like, if I give more, I will not live. So it's like, they don't think that on a conscious level that they'll die, but there's a sense of once the energy has gone, it's gone. And so am I. And with a nine, it's more like, I'm not heard. I don't matter. I'm not even worried about me because it's all about others so that I'm almost fading out and I'm just doing comfort measures. Can you see a little bit of the difference there? Definitely. Okay. And do you feel more nine when I say that? Absolutely. Okay. Gotcha. So it's, it's really moving to me being in the anxiety triad when I get to be with nines because I know that that's so far fetched from where I start from and it's just absolutely beautiful. And it's so awesomely a model of Christ, but it's just something that I think with you being both a therapist and a nine, you probably have this important part of you that says, 
I want my clients to be heard and I want to be heard in the world too. So you're probably having to daily put on your own armor of making sure you're heard because you're such a peacemaker. Is that true? Yeah, I think, I think that's mostly true. And, and when you say that it's important for my clients to be heard, I, I can't even begin to count the number of times while I'd be in, in a session with a marriage session or sometimes just a uh, individual person and I've needed to make sure that they are being heard. And I think part of that just comes with the nineness. Uh, maybe just one of the gifts that God has given me is just being able to discern when they have something that they want or need to say and are too afraid to or just don't feel the opportunity to say it. And so I get that opportunity to, to help draw that, that out of them, which is always a lot of times that's really one of the breakthrough moments for them is when they get to say whatever it is that they've been hesitating to say. Wow. I just read that in a Psychology Today article, actually, just say the thing. And so that's really cool that you help people to do that, to get to share what's really and truly on their hearts. I know they're so blessed by that. And that immediately can be sometimes a shift. And once people really get it and hear what their spouse is saying, do you find that that's a lot of the time when the marriage starts to heal? Sounds like you do. And I have had that experience too. Definitely can be for the individual that has said it. And whether or not a real shift is going to take place is whether or not their spouse is understanding and accepting of what was just said. Mm. If, the, if the spouse is really accepting and understanding of what is just said and is actually there to work on whatever is just said, then yes, you're going to see a major shift take place. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer to get the other spouse to come around and understand or accept whatever was just said. But regardless of whether they do or not, it, it, it causes a shift in the person that said it that uh, allows them to progress forward um, in those circumstances. Yeah, that makes sense. So it has to be that once that happens, that's exactly when you see the other partner either take a step toward or step away. And that's important to note that they might not be ready. They have to take time sometimes to process it. And I would imagine as a nine, you're really good about giving your clients time to process. Do you give them that? Do you give them a little homework sometimes to think about what was said? I always give homework. Mm. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Every once in a while, I don't. Um, but the vast majority of time, there is some sort of homework assignment to do. Um, and it's not necessarily tangible things. I mean, it could just be thought processes that they need to work on or um, saying things or, or doing things that might be a little bit out of their normal comfort zone. But yeah, homework is a big, I think homework is a very important process of uh, therapy. I am so glad you do that because I think that's really probably where most of the work gets done. It's nice to, to have these wonderful sessions, but I think we've all who have been in the business long enough heard people say, yeah, that's lip service right in front of you to the therapist or the counselor. And I've heard it when I was a therapist and now as a coach. Yeah, they just talk the lip service while they're here, but there's no change at home. So that's important that they take it home, that they do it because that's where the meat of it all takes place. So I'm so glad you give homework too. And I know we both use the R&R marriage method sometimes because it's not always that couples want to use a marriage program, but sometimes couples really do. And we have a nice system in place when they do. So that helps me quite a bit when I have a couple who says, let's get this show on the road. I want to do six to eight sessions. And then sometimes to be honest, a couple after doing six to eight sessions, they want to keep going because they realize this was just the beginning for them. Do you ever have that experience, Craig? I have a couple right now that I have been working with for gosh, probably two or three years, mm -hmm. probably somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. um, 
And from where they started to where they are at now is just night and day difference. Um, but that doesn't mean that there's still not things that they can't continue to improve upon or work together on. Um, and so, you know, we just kind of focus on those things now that we've gotten the major issues out of the way. Mm-hmm. Well, that really hits home because I think people need to hear that. And I know men especially love to have, and maybe you can talk to our guys in a minute here, but men really like to have that sense of beginning and an ending when they're getting in touch with a counselor coach. And Craig and I are not the types at all to force people to see us. We've joked about that before. Like this would never happen where we're like, you have to see us because, you know, we know that can be manipulative and we we don't want anyone to see us who doesn't want to see us. Uh, That goes against both of our personality types. But what we do like is when people say, okay, I did the system and it's showing some growth, but maybe now I want to do your other book and do that workbook together so we can continue our homework. Or maybe they say, I don't want to do a book, but I just want to have a safe place to process. And Craig's just like me in that sense that we have clients who have been with us for years just for maintenance, just because they want to keep growing. And I love that. And what would you say to husbands in general, Craig, if they said, I want to get this show on the road or any other thoughts or advice you have for husbands who are thinking about getting started in therapy or coaching? The hardest step is always the same step, and that's the first step. Mm. You know, one, it, it, it's like anything else. It, it can be scary. It can be daunting. It, it can be all these things. But once you actually come to the first appointment, you, you realize, A, it's probably not what you expected it to be. Um, mm-hmm. And B, it's not nearly as scary or uh, as intense that you expect it to be, especially in the first session. Now, there are times when the first sessions can be pretty intense, but that's all based on if how open people decide to be in that, in that first session. But most of the time, uh, therapy is pretty laid back. And, you know, I know we have this negative stigma about how it's, it's weak or people look at you funny or, or whatever, but I think we've come a long way in our society at debunking that, that nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, even, you know, even if you're, wife doesn't come or your significant other doesn't come it doesn't mean that that there's not things that you can learn or you can work on to improve upon yourself that will in turn improve improve your marriage so um i would definitely encourage you to uh, give it a shot if you're thinking about it because i think you'll be pleasantly surprised about how it actually is compared to what your preconceived notions of it are i think that was well said craig i really do and especially that helps some guys who are out there going i don't know it's gonna be weird and i don't want somebody to act like they own me or get too intense and in my face and i want to say that is a true statement about counseling and coaching but i think that it's also true about working with a nine because that's one of your particular gifts So I am a little more intense than that. And I think that that's good for people to be able to distinguish. Like working with Craig is very, very, very safe. And that is just the word that comes to me when I think about a nine at all. And that's how I feel when I'm around my daughter. And I think that a lot of people, probably because you said you started when you were in high school, unofficially counseling people, people have put you in this older role sometimes because of that wonderful gift you have of creating safety for people. So I'm just excited that I'm having you on today so people can get a feel for you because if you live in Florida, then you get to work with Craig if you want to. You can call us and he can work with you virtually. And that would be a gift to lots of you out there, I know. And I think that 
you've really blessed your clients a lot with that safety and disarming them with being a little more casual and less formal than you see. Like you don't see people as comfortable in therapy. Like you said, you think of them as in culture, the stigma is brain getting probed with electrodes on the head. And it's not like that at all, is it? Not even close. No. So very, very cool to hear that. And this is probably the last question that, unless you have anything you want to make sure you share, but I want to ask what you think that you really see as something that you are passionate about with couples. I know you said the main thing is helping them to really learn to listen to each other. And that's been such a big theme for your life as a nine and otherwise, but tell us what you're most passionate about when you're helping couples. Aside from listening, what's something that you really enjoy teaching them about or just learning or even watching them learn as you work together? That is a good question. And you can take your time on that. I think more than anything, aside from the listening, and and this plays a part into the listening, but it's really just helping them to understand that each and every person in this world views the world through their own perspective and that their own perspective is influenced by so many different things, their past experiences, uh, their upbringing, their previous relationships. There's so many things that, that play into that perspective. And so when they are looking at their marriage from their perspective, mm-hmm. what they see is not necessarily the total picture or the right or even the right thing in in certain circumstances. And I know that, you know, personally with uh, my MK's marriage, despite the fact that, you know, it's as good as it's ever been. And we've never really had any major issues, but there have been times when we've had disagreements and arguments and uh, that when I have gone back and looked at things or tried to look at things through her perspective, I had a better understanding of where she was coming from and, quite frankly, why she was right on some things. Mm. So it's really just helping them to understand that not everything is based on your perspective. It's having to really look at each other's perspective and to remember Mm -hmm. that really what brought you two together in the first place is that you love each other. So if that really is still the case, then understanding that you both have each other's best interests at heart hopefully, and that even though you look at things differently or looking at it from different perspectives, that your end goal is still to make the other person happy and do what's best for them. Mm, What a beautiful reminder, Craig. You almost make me want to cry. Like nines come into marriage so differently than many people who are in this beginning stage to make sure they're completed and because they're attracted and because they want to be happy. And you just reminded us of how a nine enters marriage. And I just, wow, I'm just so reminded in such a good way of what we all need. And that is to love, to enter marriage with love and how it shouldn't surprise us that our spouse still wants to be loved all these years later, right? I would hope so. (laughs) So, Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. And I'm so grateful that you remind your clients of this as a strong man of God. And it's such a rare gift, I think, for people out there to get that as a therapist. And I'm grateful that you're with us. And I'm super happy that people are hearing your voice today so they could make that potential choice to work with you if they want to, or just to get to learn from you today and be encouraged in another way as a nine or their personality type to love their spouse better. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I know your time is extra precious as you work so hard for your family. So thank you so much for joining us today, Craig. Thank you for having me. I greatly appreciate it.
Yeah. And if you guys want to get in touch with Craig, I want you to check out our website, reflectionscc.com, and you can use the contact page, or you guys can contact us at 941-301-8420. You can text us there, or you can make sure to leave a voicemail because a lot of the time somebody will be in session. So you have to just leave a message or a text. Again, that number is 941-301-8420. And the website is reflectionscc.com. Craig, have a great day with all your babies and biggies and Mary Kay. And I hope you have a blessed one, everybody else too. Bye-bye.